Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey everyone, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host for the podcast. She's my partner in life. She's also my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. It's great to be back, and I am excited because we have one of my favorite members of Congress on with us today to talk about NGOs. We're going to get her thoughts on a couple other things. Mayorkas is now impeached. Um, Republicans lost a seat in New York. So we we have a lot of things we want to cover with her. Uh, So with no further ado, let's bring in Kat Kamak from the great state of Florida. (laughs) Kat, welcome to the kitchen table. Hey, good to see you guys. Now, Rachel, I saw your post on social the other day, a throwback to um, the real world. And uh, was that the headshot that you used when you sent, like when you applied no, to the No, no, I, I used a, a big old VHS tape. <laughs> that was my, uh, that no one knows what that is anymore, except for, you know, us Gen Xers. But no, that was like taken while I was on the, on the real world. Can I, can I ask another question for you? Just a, it's a personal question. So when you were, you came on the bottom line, I think it was last week, mm-hmm. and I kept saying Kat Kamak because that's what Rachel always says. And they were saying, no, it's Kat Kamak. So, which so is what it? is it? Okay, so I, I blame Stu Varney for this because he says Kat Kamak. Yeah. And it's actually Kat Kamak. Okay. So you're right? No, no. I had it wrong. It's Kat Kamak. <laughs> Kamak. Like Kat Kamak. and Mack truck. Kamak. Okay. Got it. Okay. So, by the way, I'm still confused, but Kat, that was the, this was the 30 year anniversary of the real world, which is why I posted that. I know, believe it, believe it or not, that from my season, like that 30 years ago today, I entered the real world house. I thought you were talking about a post that I posted this morning, which I posted a picture of a guy, a good looking guy with ashes on his forehead. And I said, hey, all the single ladies, get your heads out of your phone today because God's marking all the good guys. So so happy hunting. (laughs) (laughs) I have not seen that post today, but I will definitely share it. Absolutely. All the good guys. Yep. Right? It's true if you're looking. So anyway, that's what I thought you were talking about. Um, You know, first of all, can I just get to George Santos? Because... I might be the only person at Fox News who actually, I enjoyed George Santos. I found him entertaining, but most importantly, he was a warm seat that voted pretty solidly Republican, um, actually. 
And now we just, you got, you know, the, the House Republicans kicked him out. And now a Democrat has that seat and you guys already had a slim majority. Do you think anyone's regretting kicking out George Santos today? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, so it's interesting because I feel like Republicans were always we're always in this self-defeating cycle. Um, and it's not just, I mean, you can, you can look at George and say, you know, that was a really stupid thing when we had such a slim majority, why would we do that? Um, but at the same time, we do the same thing on say term limits. You know, um, I, I did an interview maybe two weeks ago with actually Captain America, Chris Evans. Um, huh? they, they, they had us do a, a, a counterpoint, a Republican and a Democrat talking about term limits and, Republicans are always in favor of term limits. The Democrats are not. And it's always just something where we are continually pushing good people out. We're term limiting people out. It's a really interesting dynamic if you just kind of even step back a little bit. But on George specifically, I always got along with George. He and I, we were always friendly. Um, what's funny is, you know, of all of the the grand tall tales that were told, um, there's one that I have shared that is actually true. He took a punch to the face for me. Um, uh, a guy in New York um, was doing some very inappropriate things. Um, and George stepped in and got punched in the face as a result. And people are like, no way that happened. I'm like, oh, yes, it happened. So that was one story mm -hmm. that um, I always I always share with people that, you know, I think deep down, George is a good guy. Um, Deep down, George is Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a good guy. You know, he certainly I, I, has had his share of issues and he's going to have to account for it. But I mean, it was really silly for us to do what we did when we have so many challenges within our conference, yes. so many conflicting personalities and priorities. So I think now people are realizing what's at stake and how quickly we are losing the ability to govern. And um, Sean, you know this also all too well. I mean, you know, it's really easy to be in the minority and just throw bombs all day and talk about being, you know, no, 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 we're fighting, fighting, fighting. It is a completely different dynamic to be in the majority and have that responsibility and the criticism that comes with it of leading. It is very tough. So the power of the majority, if used well, truly can keep, um, an administration that's out of control in check. Yes. But you need the votes to keep them in check. And losing George Santos was one of those very important votes. And again, did George Santos tell tall tales? Did he lie and mislead? Yeah, he did. Yeah, but he did. the House and the Senate are full of people who were elected who are liars that no, tell yeah. tall tales. I mean, that's that. I mean, Senator that's the, Menendez had gold bars in his closet. I mean, exactly. for, I mean, Elon Omar has said, you know, Things that I believe are, a traitor would say, um, you know, a Somalia first. Like, what the heck? Like that that point of view is far more damaging than anything George Santos. She married has her done. brother, yeah, to get him uh, citizenship. Yeah, but she's still yeah. in Congress. And again, just to be clear, George Santos does have federal charges pending against him. He's innocent, but until in America, guilty. that is the point. We yeah. we are innocent until proven guilty. If mm -hmm. that status changed, then I think the House should take action. But before that. I think it was a huge mistake, and, and you see the problems that have come from it. Let's let's uh, now talk about uh, Mayorkas. So you guys tried, mm -hmm. I think it was a week ago, to uh, mm -hmm. to impeach uh, Mayorkas, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary. You failed, um, but you came back this week, um, right. and Steve Scalise was back. He's Steve has cancer. He's getting cancer treatments, but he was back in the house, 
and by one vote you were able to impeach Mayorkas. What is the importance, Kat, of of that impeachment? Because now now there's going to be a trial in the in the Senate on that impeachment. Uh, I'm sure Democrats are going to half-heartedly do that trial. Mm-hmm. But what what then do you get fr- from it and for it? Because he's not going to be removed. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I hear from people all the time. They say, okay, great. You guys impeached him in the House. It's not going to go anywhere in the Senate. So what did you actually accomplish? Well, a couple of things. One, you guys know as well as I do, one of the biggest frustrations that Americans have is that no one is held accountable. No one is ever held accountable in Washington and there are zero consequences. Congratulations, Alejandro Mayorkas. You are now going to go down in history as the second cabinet official ever to be impeached. And I think that that's important. Because it okay. it shows that we're willing to take a stand on a very important issue that impacts every American. But also through the investigation and now the subsequent trial, the information that is the basis for the impeachment is now going to be even more widespread and more thorough as to why he is now being impeached and why he is going to have to go through that trial. If the American people knew what is really happening at the border and how this administration and through the inaction of DHS have deliberately circumvented the law, um, ignored the law, uh, created policies that have exacerbated this crisis, they would be outraged. People are already upset because this open border policy has turned every town and state into a border town. But now they're going to see firsthand through the data, through all of the communiques, all the different ways that Alejandro Mayorkas has not only lied to Congress and by extension, the American people, but he has been willful in doing the opposite of his job. So that's why it's important. Um, one, again, for showing the American people that there are consequences for actions and in, inaction in, in Washington. But there's also much more that needs to be shared and brought to light. You know, Kiss, we're going to yeah, go on that, which is important. Um, so by impeaching Mayorkas, I think it also shows the Senate and the president how serious House Republicans take um, the open southern border. And as mm-hmm. we've all watched, uh, the Senate negotiated with the White House a uh, a border deal, which was not a border security deal. It was a migration deal. And mm-hmm. it failed in the Senate because a lot of House Republicans and a lot a of conservatives. War bill also. That, well, mm-hmm. it, it was. So this was attached to funding for Ukraine and, uh, and Israel as well but it didn't do anything to secure the border. Nope. Well, now what the Senate has done is they've taken out any border uh, provisions and just are flatly sending money to Ukraine and Israel. It's passed the Senate with help of Republican voters. But I think the message is now clear. That's not going anywhere in the mm-hmm. House. We actually want true border security if we're going to send money to secure other people's borders. And I think what you've done with Mayorkas this week is important in underlining, underscoring that message to anyone who thinks uh, the House Republicans are are going to move or go soft on the American border. You know, Kat, I also think that there is a huge national security risk at our border. You and I have talked about the record numbers of Chinese, the record number of known terrorists that we've caught, the record number of, of criminal cartel members who are coming across the border, the fentanyl. I mean, all of this stuff is criminal. And, and, and some of it is, is, is literally a national security risk. And I think it's important for Republicans to be on record to say, we didn't stand, we, we didn't stand for this. Cause you can be sure, Kat, that if there is a terrorist attack tomorrow, they're going to find some way, the media and the Democrats, to blame the Republicans for this. And you guys are on record saying, no, we, the, the person responsible for this is HHS, the, um, is the secretary and also his boss, Joe Biden. The other thing that's coming out of, um, HHS and, 
I called you the other day. We, 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 were, we were texting together. I have been obsessed with the NGO angle on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen uh, just last this past week, your colleague, Tom Tiffany from Wisconsin, yep. trying to get into a place called Casa Alitas, which is one of these NGO you know, detention centers. And it's like you would think it was a nuclear facility. Like you can't get into it. Not even a member of Congress was allowed into it. Mm-hmm. And billions of dollars are going to these NGOs. Some of them are church, the Catholic Relief Services, the churches, Lutheran services. Um, but money is coming from everywhere, from the, the UN, which we fund primarily, mm-hmm. uh, the Red Cross, which I'm sure some way we fund it. It's coming through the Justice Department, HHS. Um, uh, what's the other department, Cat, that's funding these NGOs? Um, if there was a third one. HHS. HHS. DHS. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's coming from everywhere. everywhere. So you guys are impeaching Mayorkas for, you know, not doing his job of securing the border. But in reality, aren't the American taxpayers funding this all the way down in South America and Central America, all the mm-hmm. way up to our um, to the United States? Yeah. So, Sean, you're 100 percent right. Rachel, you're 100 percent right in talking about the the fact that the impeachment is now proving how serious we are. And to your point, the the so-called border package that the Senate put over, it was not a border security package. The fact that Senator Chris Murphy did a, a, a tweet thread that basically outlined everything but border security. He even said in there, this does not secure the border. He just said this creates more visas. It creates a pathway to citizenship for Afghan parolees. It increases processing capability to move people further inland. Like it it was just, it's a bunch of nonsense. It's a bunch of BS, if I'm being honest. Um, And I was so angry that people we're calling it a border security package because really mm-hmm. what Biden and company wanted to do was to put together a package that they knew would never be accepted by Republicans um, because it wasn't truly border security. It didn't include one element of HR2, the Republican border security package that we passed last year. And they wanted to be able to change the narrative to say Republicans didn't support our border security package. They're not serious about it. That That's what they're hoping. And that's what they're trying to, to craft that narrative. But to your point, Sean, about how we're very serious about it, let me tell you how unserious the White House is. We have had Speaker Johnson now for months demanding a meeting with the president. The Speaker of the House has been denied a meeting with the president of the United States. They will only allow Speaker Johnson to meet with Biden so long as the room is packed with staff and Senator Schumer is present. When the Speaker of the House cannot communicate with the president of the United States, that tells you that there is problems in the White House, that they are terrified. And if if they're not willing to play ball, which we know they aren't because it will fly in the face of what they're trying to do, um, I think that we've got a huge, huge opportunity to exploit the fact that he is unwilling to come to the table, that it is all about just pushing their agenda, not actually solving anything. And Rachel, to your point about the NGOs, you and I have talked about this, like you said, if people knew how little accountability, how um, little oversight is going into the taxpayer monies being funneled into these NGOs, and then what happens to these people afterwards, there would be outrage. The fact that people are not screaming 
left, right, and center about the 85,000 missing children that Health and Human Services um, has, has lost track of is absurd. We have... Um, of course, those children that no one can account for that came in as unaccompanied minors. They had phone numbers, you know, written on their hands or arms or pinned to their clothes. And those people that, that answered that phone number, they're not vetted, um, that many of them are illegal themselves. And many of those children end up in trafficking operations, whether it is sex trafficking or labor trafficking. And there's been some investigative reporting that's proved this. Um, and again, no accountability from um, Secretary Becerra from HHS. One of the big things that I stumbled across uh, a couple of years ago, which has not been rectified to this point, was FEMA has a program that is an emergency temporary shelter program for veterans and single parents. They raided that fund, $130 million, and used wow. it to give to Catholic charities to buy plane tickets and bus tickets for illegals. That's so shameful. They used money for veterans, homeless veterans and single parents in, in crisis and gave it to Catholic charities. You know, I mean, it just blows your mind. Chad, again, and it goes, all of this is a conversation that leads to the conclusion that this no doubt is intentional. 100%. And um, in the, the, the not border bill, but the mm -hmm. migration bill that failed in, in the Senate was no, negotiated by James Langford. He was a former House member, friend of mine. I, J James is really smart, um, conservative guy. Yeah. But he negotiated a, a garbage deal. In the deal, um, there was, again, it didn't pass, but they had $2.3 billion allocated for NGOs. Well, what the, to Rachel's Do point, we know how much they get, were getting before that? We, I, well, I think they're, they're, they're taking money from all kinds of mm -hmm. different funds and funneling it to NGOs. But the footage that's come out from Central and South America, it's the NGOs who are facilitating the transfer mm -hmm. of people when they land in South America or Central America, facilitating their journey through these countries with, with maps, with, with food, with supplies. Mm -hmm. to get them to our southern border. So in essence, the American taxpayer uh, has has funded their arrival at our border. Joe Biden has opened the border. They've come into the country, and then they go to American cities. And in those cities, they're provided food, housing, shelter, laundry services. Um, and the question is begged, what does that actually do for America? But also, I would hope that good Republicans, James Langford, that Mitch McConnell would actually look at this and go, I'm sorry, Joe Biden, this is garbage. This mm -hmm. does nothing to secure the border. We can do just one thing. Let's do remain in Mexico. No one can come into the country. We're going to secure the border. You can't come into this country and claim asylum unless you do it from a country that you're safe in, which would be Mexico or Canada. Exactly. That in and of itself would stem the flow of all these people coming to our border thinking they're just going to walk across, get in and be given a whole bunch of freebies, which is what's happening right now. You would stop it. That wasn't part of the deal. So I wonder what's wrong with Republican senators that they would that they would negotiate such a crap deal and then try to sell it to the American people as this is a great border bill. Well, that's the million dollar question. Uh, you know, you we know what is happening uh, in not just Mexico, but throughout Central and South America. And, and Rachel, you and I have talked about this, the, the practice of recycling. It's yeah. um, where the cartels, they literally buy or borrow children that are age six or under, 
and they make them pair up with a single adult, typically a male, who has a record who um, would not be allowed into the country under any other circumstances. And they pair them up as though that is the person, that child's parent. And because they, again, I don't know how this happened, they do not do DNA testing at the processing ah. facilities. They say they will, but they don't. Um, and for the ones that actually do get DNA tested, they don't have the funds because they cut the funding to actually process the DNA test. So you just have to have some sort of alarm of some sort, like a kid has to say, I'm scared, and then they'll actually separate them. But nine times out of 10, they've threatened the kid, they've threatened the, the family of the child, mm -hmm. and that child is used, recycled to bring those adults back and forth. And that kid makes the journey dozens of over times and over and over again agents who have seen the same child over and over and over again i've been there at three o'clock in the morning when a little girl who was two years old she was visibly frightened of the man holding her and it was found out within 24 hours that the man admitted not being her father because they threatened him with a dna test the dna test of which they did not have but he admitted so that's a real problem but i think to the ngo side you are seeing a situation where instead of trying to work themselves out of a job, which you would always hope that these yeah. well-intentioned organizations, <laughs> their mission yeah. should be, we want to work ourselves out of a job. But nope. we've seen over the years where it has become a, a mission creep into how can we expand our organization? How can we further the mission? And instead of fixing a problem, they help perpetuate one. And uh, Rachel, you know, the thing that is so frustrating to me is like, I, I go on my phone probably once a day um, and look up specifically on Facebook, Instagram, um, little pages and marketplace ads, anything like Cruzando la Frontera, you know, looking up little things and you will find pages tied to these NGOs that are soliciting their services of $9,300 will get you to San Antonio, Texas. We will make sure that you get safe passage, uh, safe passage across. We'll get you to Miami, Florida. And it is pages that are affiliated with these NGOs and you put a red flag on them and you say, this is a human trafficking post and the social media companies don't do anything about it. We'll be back with much more after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. That's exactly right. Social media companies are responsible. But I look at like the two main that at least that I know of, um, aside from the, the, the Red Cross, which is doing a lot of this work um, in, in Latin America. But here we see Catholic Relief Services, 
Lutheran Relief Services. These are organizations that are religious, Christian, mm-hmm. and they know that this open border policy is facilitating the greatest um, flow of child sex and human trafficking we've ever seen mm-hmm. um, in the Western Hemisphere, that our border is the most dangerous border in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, more people die coming to this border than anywhere else. Yep. They know that sex trafficking is happening and they're not the whistleblowers on it. They're hiding it. The whistleblowers are coming from those groups or other groups mm-hmm. um, from the border patrol saying, but they're, these Christian organizations that are making hand over fist are not the whistleblowers. It is pure evil. I am a Catholic and I am so embarrassed and ashamed of what our church is doing, that they have let themselves get addicted to this government money, which is what they are. They are addicted, as you said, they're not interested in ending their job. This has become mission creep um, and, and it is hurting children and nobody seems to give a damn. And I don't understand with all the money that is going out there that we don't have money for a DNA test. To me, that is like so, the most basic thing I can you can do. So Kat, this was even going on when I was in Congress. We went to the southern border and this conversation on DNA tests because the children were being used as mules going back and forth to bring bad people in. Uh, the Border Patrol, you know, back in 2018, we're still saying, hey, listen, a DNA test could resolve it. And the answer that uh, the Border Patrol was telling me they were getting at the time was, we can't do that because we're concerned about privacy <sighs> of these children. Yeah. And we're all like, the privacy, we're, we're here, the DNA test can protect the children. But then after that, they said, well, if they're not going to do a DNA test, let's actually just fingerprint the kids. So when they come across, we'll know if they've, you know, if they've, if they've come across before. seven yeah. times with their dad right. um, or 20 times with, the, with their dad and their mom. We go like, hey, listen, this kid's being used to shepherd people in. They're not even doing fingerprint tests on nope. the kids. And nope. again, these are simple things that protect children. If you're not going to protect, protect, protect the border, Joe Biden, protect the kids that are being used to traffic people across the border. And he won't even do that. Well, to speaking of protecting, why? I mean, Kat, you're a member of Congress. You fund whether you like it or not, you are. Damn it, Kat, this is your yeah, fault. You fund this you, stuff. You, are the, you have the power of the purse in the house. You guys are funding it, and they don't let you go inside because of the kids' privacy. Members of Congress who are mm-hmm. representing the people funding this stuff need to be able to go inside. How can it be that they can stop you from going inside? See, that that's where I don't understand. And... I, I look back to when the baby formula crisis really exploded. Mm. And um, a lot of it originated from getting text messages from some Border Patrol agents. Um, I've been down there nine times and, you know, really have gotten to know a lot of these guys and gals. And I had one come in from a guy who is a new grandparent. And he said, Kat, I think it's wild that I am here in the Donna processing facility unloading pallets of baby formula. Meanwhile, I go down the road, literally a mile and and three quarters to the target, and I cannot find baby formula for my grandson. And I I remember when you exposed me some photos. And I said, I said, send me some photos. And so we publish it. Biden called me a liar, literally 
from the White House, both he and um, Saki, they called me a liar and said that there was no crisis. There was no nothing. And so we went down there and we exposed it. And I'll never forget when I went down there. Um, the agent said, we're not allowed to let you in. And their eyes got really wide and they said, but we can't stop you if you just walk in. And it was like a wink, wink, nod, nod, please expose yeah. this. But we've got a, we've got orders from headquarters to just let you know that you can't be let in. But if we can't stop you, if you just walk past us. And I think members of Congress, we need to really yeah. i would use a country term but it might not be appropriate um we need to um grow something yeah i know and, yeah and and really <laughs> sorry i'm trying to i'm trying to think i know i know exactly what you're saying because when i saw the footage and and by the way i'm not saying that tom tiffany doesn't have any no. um, i'm not saying that but i'm saying when i saw the footage and he because he's a polite listen there is such thing as Wisconsin nice. It is a is. real it thing. It is a real thing. It is a real thing. And so he was trying to be tough, but he's a nice Wisconsin guy. And he's like, listen, I, we pay for this. Um, by the way, for those who are listening, you can go online, um, go to Tom Tiffany's, uh, you know, Twitter handle and you can see it. And he's saying, we're going to come back here because mm -hmm. we have a right to be here. And I, I can't help it. But I was thinking to myself, man, this Latina woman, if I if I had a pin, if I had a congressional pin, oh, 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 no, 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 no. I mm -hmm. would walk right through there and go, you arrest me with these cameras here. You arrest me for representing the people and trying to mm -hmm. see what's going on in here because the children that are in there would benefit from real eyes being on this operation because I don't so think anyone's minding this knows what's going on in there. So do you do other members? Cause I know that Tom Tiffany talked about potentially having a hearing down there, but that still doesn't get you inside. And if you have a hearing, they're going to clean up whatever's bad inside the place. How, why aren't members just going down there and getting in? I think that again, there's there, we've always been rule followers. Um, there's something, it's kind of like us, we were talking earlier about, you know, term limits and, you know, we always just seem to like, we, we always kind of set ourselves up for failure in some ways where we play by a different set of rules than the other side. Yeah. And the other side, when it came to the Trump administration and the ICE facilities, they, they made no bones about it. They were right. in, they, they walked past guards, they went right into facilities. And it's, it's kind of like what we do with the VA. You know, we walk into a VA facility, we don't announce ourselves. We go in because we want to see what's going on. We should be doing the exact same thing here. And we have every right to be there as representatives of, of our constituents and, and people around the country. If we don't start asserting our right as members, and to your point, Sean, asserting our power of the purse, all will be lost because we're getting run over and steamrolled time and time again. We've got to get a backbone and we've got to really push and we can no longer just be nice we, so we would, have to be assertive on that on this. We have to stop being stop being nice and start getting real. Yeah, um, that was the real that world tagline. So, <laughs> stop being polite, start getting real. So listen, I get it. Um, we want to follow rules. We we want to be respectful. And again, like that, I'd like to you know bash Republicans for not being more aggressive. I I'm I, I'm not going to because I like that they're nice people, but. And, and, and it, it, it's not in our nature to try to get arrested, but just recall AOC during the abortion protest. Yeah. Not only did she not get arrested, they're walking oh, her away. But, 
She faked it. She put her hands behind her back. But she wore it as a but she wore it as, as a, a as a sign a of badge a badge of courage. Of courage. And honor. Yeah, That's you. right. And, yeah. and and we don't do that. And by the way, I don't think the constituents of Republicans would like that. And by the way, the media, the liberal media would probably skewer them as radicals. I don't know. I, uh, who cares um, at this but, point? But, so, but here, but this, kids it, are it's, it's going to bring me to another point, Kat. And again, we have problems at the border, and it mm-hmm. takes money for Joe Biden to implement his policies at the southern border. And you all have the power of the purse. Mm-hmm. And it even brings me to this Congress continues to allow funding for the FBI and the CIA um, mm-hmm. and the NSA. And a lot of times we'll say they do wonderful work that keeps America safe. That's true. But they also do horrible work where they're using the power and the money that's been given to them to target Republicans, conservatives, mm-hmm. Donald Trump, Donald Trump allies, you know, people who are viewed as MAGA extremists or parents who, you know, go to a school board meeting to say, I don't want my kids to learn about transgenderism in this school or the people who pray outside of a, a, a pro-life facility. And you would think that with the power of the purse comes power to actually stop these behaviors. And the Republican Congress can't get its act together to figure out how you stop that money. You, you're going to actually build them, not you, the, the Congress is going to build them a massive new billion dollar Ugh. new facility for the FBI. As the FBI is lying and targeting conservatives. Spying, I, basically this, acting like a secret police. This makes no sense to me. And, mm-hmm. and again, and I ask you that question because I know you're one who fights this, but you also are in the Republican conference. And, I'm, and I ask you, what the hell is going on inside that you're not saying we have to prioritize what's important. The border is important, but also the deep state targeting Republicans using government to go after their own citizens, which, by the way, our founders had an idea that we needed uh, to separate um, and have checks and balances in government. So it didn't get too too powerful. And we wanted the people to be the check and balance on government. Now the government is a check and balance on all of us actually attacking us. What's happening that we're not actually trying to cut that funding for the FBI and the DOJ? Yeah, so and, they just do the, the basic CIA. duties that they're supposed to do. It seems like they have a lot of money to go after everybody. Mm-hmm. No, so there's so much here to, to hit on. I mean, one, Biden has very specific things that he could do today to secure the border if he really wanted to. Eight, eight actions that he already has the unilateral authority to do. Um, and he has he's chosen not to because when he says he wants border security, he just wants more money to process people faster. Right. And so to your point, Sean, yeah, we do control the purse strings, but we don't act like it. And you have so many competing priorities in the House. And I dare I say personality conflicts that mm. seem to take the precedence of the actual work that is difficult and it is hard, but it is very necessary. And I call this era that we're living in right now the era of entertainment. It is getting on the House floor and giving a grand speech about how hard you're fighting. And in reality, you're speaking to a C-SPAN camera in an empty chamber and you're just using it to raise money. And the difficult conversations of how do we actually navigate the challenges are not happening because people (laughs) want to pretend they want to say they're fighting, but they're not fighting to win. It's really detrimental to our republic to uh, even the party politics have gotten super messy about it, but it's it's killing the country. And you look at March 1st, that deadline where we're going to be up again on government funding and the conversation is non-existent about what do we do 
when March 1st comes because we leave this Friday for a week, a week and a half. And then we're going to have five days, four days to come up with an entire appropriation strategy and pass that on the floor. Give me a break. And to your point, Sean, the FBI director himself has said publicly that it is not a matter of if, but when a terrorist attack occurs. And it is directly related to the individuals who have come across the southern border, who are unvetted, the gotaways that no one wants to talk about that is now approaching 2 million gotaways. And we have on record over 1,200 individuals on the international terrorist watch list, some of which we can't account for now of where they are in the country because some of them get um, hit when they're doing the basic vetting the in the field interviews is what they call them. Any inconclusive hit means that they have to release them and then they have to go find them. And then they find out by cross-referencing multiple international databases that, oh, this person has uh, an affiliation with ISIS. And now we got to go find this person. I'm like, oh, my God, how is it that this is happening? And so, yeah, why in the heck are we funding an FBI that has, yes, been weaponized, that they sit in the parking lots of PTA meetings and school board meetings, taking down the license plates of concerned parents, or they target Catholics and and pro-life groups saying that they could be problematic. It's absurd. And we've got to clean house. And I think what with this FISA reauthorization coming up, we have a good chance to take a stand. But my God, if we don't get serious and think about the long-term impacts and consequences to national security and the Republic as a whole, we're in trouble. Do you feel like everything's just on like a paralysis until people figure out whether Trump's going to win or not? Does it just feel, because it feels like there's so many, I mean, I look at all the pressing issues that you're talking about. I mean, one after another after another and they're not getting taken care of and in some ways we're going backwards like for example with the george santos uh seat we're, we're taking ourselves even you know giving ourselves less seats and you know is it that everyone's just waiting and, and, and do you even if donald trump is elected do you feel like okay with the with the a new quarterback you know all of this is going to get better i mean I, i'm kind of just trying to figure out what's the mentality there well, I mean, I think without question, people people understand and recognize that when Donald Trump is president again, things will be better. I mean, that that goes without saying. But, you know, I had a conversation with someone here recently and they said, you know, um, getting the White House back is all that matters. And I said, well, yes, it's very important. However, <laughs> I said, if we don't have a Senate that is right. in our control and we don't keep and expand the majority in the House, those four years will be done via executive order. And what happens after those four years? It will swing back the other direction if we don't win and nothing will be codified. And so if we're really serious about fixing the problems that have plagued us for so long, border, spending, crime, healthcare, things that people are really, really concerned about around the kitchen table, if we're not willing to work in a unified manner across Congress and the White House, then it will all be for naught. We can't rely solely on executive orders. And dare I say, the administrative state, which has gotten out of control, 
It needs to be reined in. I don't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat. I want to make sure that Congress and the People's House has a really strong voice and role in making sure that these regulations and things that are coming out of the administrative state aren't negatively impacting our everyday life and industries. You know, Kat, um, the the FBI, the DOJ, the deep state um, took action falsely against Donald Trump, and they fanned yes. the flames of a story that then yes. helped them get to impeachments. Um, and they did that with the understanding that they could be exposed. And if exposed, they knew there could be consequences for their actions, and they did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, they have been exposed, and there haven't been any consequences. Their funding has not been cut. They've actually been given more money. And so I wonder what happens now. They would go that far when they thought there could be consequences for their action. How far will they go when they now realize there's no consequences? Republicans will never stand up to us, will never defund us, will never push back against us. We will never be charged, prosecuted, socially demonized. I wonder what the next phase of this looks like. It doesn't get better. It gets worse because Republicans that have control of the House can't hold them to account. Yeah. A couple things on that. You're 100 percent right. It goes back to the very first thing we were talking about, which is impeaching Alejandro Mayorkas is important on a number of different levels. But showing the American people that we are willing to hold people accountable and there are consequences Mm -hmm. for your actions that needed to be done. The second part of that is I think sometimes we conflate the rank and file agents that do good work um, with the political appointees. And it's really the political appointees and headquarters where the, the lion's share of the rot is. Because if you look around the country where field offices were given directives to target parents and do things, and we I serve on the weaponization subcommittee, I've had those FBI agents, those whistleblowers come forward. And these are good men and women who were just trying to do a job. And when they push back against a political directive that was given to them from HQ, they were retaliated against. They they lost their jobs. They were suspended, fired, et cetera. I think we have to really take a look at the political appointees and the political leadership that has created so many of these problems and that have become so insular from any sort of accountability. They they are accountable to no one. Um, They can do virtually anything, like you said, with no consequences. That is where we need to start targeting our ire towards the, the, the withholding of funding. In fact, we have legislation that we've put together and it's called the Fencing Act, where we will fence money. Because one of the things is, you're going to have these fights over the dollars, but we can fence money a lot easier than going through an appropriations process. And so by taking money specifically away from different uh, programs and different departments, that's one way we can hold them accountable. Now, getting that actually passed is going to be a challenge, but it needs to happen because Congress needs to have that accountability and oversight. And if they're not working with us, if they're not giving us answers, if they're not complying, then that's a, that's a way we can have an immediate impact on holding these overreaching elements of the FBI and DOJ and other agencies accountable. We'll have more of this conversation after this. 
Since the 1970s, working-class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. I know you're a busy woman, so I'm going to ask you just one last question. And I'm going to go back to NGOs because I'm obsessed with them. I think that they have to be exposed. Um, I know you're talking about some of the funding and how we can, you know, work yeah. on, on defunding that. I think killing that, that bill that would have given, you know, billions of dollars more to them. What else can the everyday citizen do or ask their congressman or senator to do? to expose this, uh, you know, tell me anything you want to tell me about NGOs. Cause I know when you talked, you said there's horror stories here. Oh, I mean, there is, I mean, I, I know Rachel, you've heard me tell the story of the first time I went to the border and, um, I went into the, uh, unaccompanied children's part of the processing facility at, at the Donna processing facility in McAllen, Texas. And, um, there was a nine-year-old little girl who, um, couldn't even tell me her name. You know, I kept asking her, you know, como te llamas, como te llamas. And, you know, I was telling her my name. I was having a conversation. It was very one-sided. Um, and I found out, of course, as she's crying and, you know, struggling to give me just her name, the agent leans over to me and says, she can't speak because her vocal cords gave out. She was being gang raped and she was screaming so loud that her vocal cords gave out. And this is a nine-year-old little girl. Um, she was there on my second return trip. Um, and this is just a, a little girl who you can just see it in her. She's, they, they have broken her, her spirit, and she's just a mess. And that kind of stuff stays with you forever. And so yeah. people need to understand that when they think they're being compassionate by having an open border policy, they're actually contributing to awful, horrible things to, that are happening to children and to women, yeah. um, that, that make you stay up at night, that make your stomach turn. And it is yeah. truly some of the worst things. What people yeah. need to understand, and this is something I really think um, needs to be communicated, is we the people have more power than we think. And, and Sean, you can speak to this um, being a former member. When you walk in your office and every phone line in your office is ringing and you have everyone from your interns to your staff assistant to your chief of staff on a phone and they won't stop ringing that stops members and then all of a sudden you say what's going on you can ignore emails but when every line in your office is ringing off the hook and people are saying i am calling from this zip code i want a response i want the member to know this and this is my position and oh by the way i want a response that puts members on notice. And I I will say that when a couple of hundred of phone calls come in, members get scared. And I've had Democrats come to me on the House floor say, 
I saw that Facebook video you put out and I had 800 calls come in and thank you by the way because I had to be able I was able to tell Nancy that I wasn't able to support this bill. Like they'll they'll whisper that like it's a big secret but that's the power that people have when they when they really blow up the capital switchboard and they are putting pressure on district offices and the DC office that scares members because then they're thinking oh my gosh people are paying attention. And that little bit of effort, that five minutes that it takes to call is more meaningful than anything. And so we, the people have more power than we realize. We just need to utilize it. And I think one great way- I love that story. Yeah, having folks call their member and say, you know, no, no funding for anything until we get border security. That has to be the message and the priority for the next couple of weeks. I love that. I love that you're telling that. I, I know it's true. Because I saw Sean live through that, um, it's it's very true, um, it, and and it's 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 kind of simple. It's so simple, it almost seems impossible, um, but it's true. And and I think you're right. I think a call is even better than an email. But just because these were organized efforts, Cat, where someone on Facebook organized people to go call your member of Congress, yeah. and all of a sudden it was a deluge of yes. calls coming in. Um, and it, it listen, everything stops in your office. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, but once in a while. Um, I would, if I wasn't on the floor at a hearing, I'd come back and I'd start answering phone calls myself. And I wouldn't say it yep. was Sean. I'd go, this is John. And I'd start <laughs> answering the questions. And I'd, start, I'd start giving these liberals who would call my office pushback and arguing with them. Well, that's not true. And they're like, you're a pretty good staffer. I'm like, thank you. Congress would tell them how good John was on the phone. Um, listen, Kat, we, we appreciate you uh, joining us. We appreciate all that you do. Uh, you're one of the true fighters one of the great messengers of the house. If you're going to be successful in this, you got to be able to talk about what you're doing yes. and sell people on what you're doing. And you do a fantastic job of that on behalf of the whole conference. And yeah. uh, Rachel and I appreciate you. Um, I really and I know do. Constituents do as well. I love how you say it like it is. Um, I love that you, you, you believe what you're saying. You're passionate. Um, and I just, and, and I think your, your, your ability to communicate your message is invaluable to the conference, but it's just really good to know that there are good people out there like you um, fighting on behalf of so many people who care about these issues, especially I know because you and I've been talking about this for years. What ha- what is happening to the children um, is absolutely criminal and we are complicit in it through our money, through these NGOs. Mm-hmm. And if you just stay in touch with us, Kat, because we want to follow what is being done to hold the NGOs accountable um, and at least expose them. Um, for their complicity in, in this evil. And that is what it is. And um, we appreciate you. And, and just thank you so much for being our friend and coming on the podcast and, and fighting for America. You're, you're our Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Not George well, Santos. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. No, well, and, you, and you're hearing it now. I'm sure, Sean, though, that's probably triggering PTSD. Um, those are the vote bells. But no, I really appreciate you guys uh, always giving me the platform to talk about this issue, which, of course, is near and dear to my heart. And, yeah, I, I think we've got to just keep talking about it and putting it out there because life gets busy. People have families and jobs and things. And, you know, this is one issue that is going to impact us in ways that we can't even fully understand right now. So I'm just really grateful that you guys are continuing to shine a light on it. Thank you so much. And always that card, go to the floor and vote your little heart out, Kat. Oh, actually, if you storm 
a child detention center, bring me with you because I want to see what's going on in there. Oh, you know, you know, I will absolutely 100% bring you with me. We, we had a blast on that oil rig. I should probably yeah, not say sure blast did. and oil rig in the same sentence, but yeah. no. <laughs> I'll I'll be prepared for the bail money fun. when you're all arrested. So appreciate that. Chad. I will I will be prouder than AOC if I'm arrested trying to get into a, a child protection a child center like that. Um yeah we did have fun on that oil rig. I went to see an oil rig with Fox and Friends and Cat was there, and um, boy that was an eye opener and a reminder of American energy and what we could do when we want to have our own energy sources instead of going to Venezuela and Iran. Um, Kat, you're always on it. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kat. We appreciate Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. All right. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, yes. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) See you later. We'll see y'all. Listen, a really great conversation with Kat. I I appreciate her taking the time um, to sit down and lay this out. She's she's very well informed on what's happening, as you've mentioned, on NGOs and the border. Um, but really, I, I think it's important when we talked about what's happening inside the Republican conference and why they can't do more. It's really confusing for the average American. I actually was in those conferences. I served in the House. And now that I'm out, I'm like, what is wrong with these people? But she said it's a personality thing. What, is, what, what are those personalities? So what happens is you get some people who come from very moderate districts. And they're like, oh, I don't know that I can, you know, cut funding for the FBI because, you know, my Democrats might get angry at that. They want those FBI agents to target Republicans, yeah. right? And then you Part have their electoral plan. <laughs> some who say they're on the right and they want to go like, I'm more conservative than anybody else. And you didn't cut enough from the FBI or from the CIA or you didn't cut enough on the border. You didn't do enough on the border. Well, uh for these people, you'll never have enough because they want to yeah. run against the party. They want to run against the ideas. That's that's their jam. And so those personalities, as opposed to saying, we have an American problem. We are the only ones who can find a solution to this problem. How do you to break make through this, though? How do you work. break through? Because this, this is always going to happen, right? If you have it a is. big conference, you have a majority, you're going to have moderates, you're going to have conservatives. Yes. Uh, you're going to, that's just, that's what a conference is if you're a, a majority. And so how do you break through? Is it that is it that Speaker Johnson isn't a strong enough leader to bring them together on this? I'm, I'm not trying to p- point him out, but I'm just saying, is this a leadership problem? Is it a is it that there are a couple guys in the moderate camp who are super powerful? What, what's going so on? Here's, so so um, two things have to happen. One, instead of reserving some of those phone calls for Democrats lighting their lines up, you may need people to actually call people who are saying no to good pieces of legislation that are going to advance the ball and hold the administrative state accountable. That's number one. So those are outside groups, outside conservative groups that need to organize. For constituents to call. call, Yes. Okay. That's number one. But number two, it's very simple. You need a bigger majority. It's really hard to, you know, make sure you can navigate every personality. But if you have a 30, 40 seat majority, you can have 10 you know, people who are always no because it's never conservative enough. And you can have 10 who are like, I'm just too afraid. I can't vote for this. And then you can still pass the bill. Yeah. So you have to win. Winning makes this a lot easier. That's, um, a, that's, that's actually the answer, actually. Um, yeah. You have to have a, a wider majority, which is, again, going back to George Santos. I know I feel like I'm George Santos's lawyer. I do think he's fabulous <laughs> in he's some ways. Fabulous. Um, but he, he was a very reliable vote in many ways, much more reliable than some of the other members of the New York delegation. And I still don't understand why they did that. And, and even like even like Congressman, um, uh, who's the congressman from South Florida? Why is his name? Uh, Myra Diaz-Blower? No, because uh, um, 
Um, no, not Mario. Not Juan Siscomani from Texas. No, no, in Florida, the fireman. Why can't I remember his name? God. Ah, I don't know. Hold on. Anyway, I mean, there were people in other states, not just New York, who found it just you know so horrible to have. Um, George Santos. Yeah, I just I don't understand why they didn't care more about the majority than they cared about you know that it might look make them look bad because it doesn't seem like the Democrats care that Elon Omar makes them look bad. They, they don't. And, and and here's another problem that we talked we were talking about the House. I'm Cat, that is name the, Cat is in the House, uh, but the real problem is in the Senate that yeah. you have yeah. a a cadre of Republican senators again a, a little over a year ago before Republicans took control of the House. These senators joined, Republican senators joined with Democrat senators, Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer joined together to pass a massive funding bill before Kevin McCarthy and Republicans took control of the House. Mm-hmm. It's those uh, same, the, many of them are the same, members in the Senate who um, shepherded and voted for Carlos mass- Jimenez. Oh my God. What? That's, I can't believe I couldn't, his name just wasn't coming to my mind. I wanted to kept saying, wanted to say Gomez, but it was Jimenez. So, so, but again, these senators voted to pass a funding bill for Ukraine, for, uh, for Israel, Taiwan, $95 billion. And there's no, no legislation on the border. And the original, this has taken so long because they had originally said, we want to have a border security bill before we send any money to secure anyone else's border. Mm-hmm. They completely caved on that. They've lost all their leverage in the Senate. Um, and they're now going to just try to pressure Republicans to pass this massive bill with no border security. So it begs the question, what's happening in conservative states that you're electing such uh, moderate, non-fighting senators? Huge problem. We, th- th- that's where the real issue's at. So Yeah, but, um, but Sean, again, with the NGOs, just can I just say this? Just Lutheran services, Lutheran Immigration Refugee Services alone. That's just one. They received more than in 2021. They received more than 93.1 million dollars, plus an additional 23 million um, from other contributions. Um, I mean, they, these are obscene amounts of money. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. It and then to hear that they're diverting and raiding funds that were meant for homeless veterans. So they could put illegals onto airplanes. I mean, I, it, it's just so grotesque. It's hard to believe. They, they, they wrap themselves in their faith, and they do evil. Yeah. Because this is not. This is this is evil. What's happening? Hundred percent. All right. Listen, we appreciate Kat. We want to thank you all for joining us at the kitchen table for this podcast. You can always rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can find us at foxnewspodcasts.com. Subscribe, get a notice every time we drop. We drop Wednesday, Thursday. We do Q&A on Friday. Just for those of you who are listening before Friday, we are going to do a Q&A on Rachel's 30th anniversary of The Real World. Which yeah, we'll fun. do some Q&A on The Real World. So if you have any questions, you should DM me. I'm also going to put up, uh, I'll put up some social media so people can drop questions there as well. All right, until next time, have a great day. Bye, Bye-bye. everybody. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. 